0: going on everybody? You are back on another Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeyser, joined as always by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, what's going on, brother?
1: You know, just another day, another dollar. Um, hopefully everyone will enjoy the little weekend action. Got to watch some good college basketball. Hopefully now you're taking a little break from the brackets, from all the sports betting and everything and just want to listen to us talk about a little Kansas City Chiefs football. Not a ton of news. But you know, there's a couple moves that have been made in the last since we last recorded last week.
0: Yeah, and if you're like me, your bracket is completely uh, disaster. So <laughs> you probably want to get away from it for a little bit. But I'm a Cuse fan. Have I've got to got to watch them have two big wins. So like that, like that. Yeah, yep. as
1: a Mizzou fan, I got to. I'm glad they lost because I didn't want to watch them play Gonzaga anyway. Well, and. No, I'm just going to root for probably USC to win tonight because Kansas basketball fans, you guys know who you are. You guys can get a little annoying with some of that sometimes. So we'll go. see. It'll be, it'll be entertaining.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I had Illinois winning it all in my bracket and they, uh, they took the big L. So <laughs> my bracket is, my bracket is done. Um, but I think most people are having a little bit of trouble. They're with it, but let's, yeah. let's talk, uh, Let's talk Chiefs football. So it's funny, We just before we got on live here, we're kind of talking, and it seems like uh, Chiefs Kingdom is in like full-blown panic mode on March 22nd, 2021, when we're months away from the beginning of the season, and it's just full-blown panic mode.
1: Yeah, some of y'all have, ain't been to work in a year. You've been working at home. I know you've got too much free time on your hands. Justin and I, we haven't been that lucky lately. We gotta go to work, but I hop on Twitter at my lunch, and it's just I got back off. I mean, it was like it was total meltdown for the like the fifth day in a row. And I think part of it is, you know, I think a lot of us have become used to Beach making these giant moves. They made one at, like an hour into free agency, and they got Joe Cooney. They just had, you know, there's reports they were in on guys like Juju. Juju goes back to the Steelers. It's frustrating, but you guys got to remember no one's never won the super bowl from 317 to 322 you know you can go out and get guys but how well are they going to be able to perform in your system how well are they going to adjust to a new team that's the important thing to remember right now so yeah they're not out here making a ton of big moves i didn't think we expected them to really make a ton of big moves you know the free agency with mr uh you know the contract situation with mahomes and uh Jones and then Mitchell Schwartz and Fisher that gave everyone optimism that we're going to go out here and make these blockbuster moves. You know, maybe it doesn't it doesn't always happen like that though, especially in a league as unpredictable as the NFL.
0: And the thing is, too, it, it seemed like he was trying to make some of those moves that I think that if he did make them, everybody would have been stunned, right? You you signed uh, Joe Thune and then there reports there were all the way in on Trent Williams and almost had him basically to the point where. You know, everyone in the organization is doing like cartwheels to the because they think that they're going to get him. And then, you know, last minute, Trent Williams says, you know, he wants to be loyal to Kyle Shanahan, which to me, that reads he never was leaving San Francisco to begin with. He just wanted to drive up the price a little bit to get to get San Francisco to pay him um, and kind of knew that he could, you know. And then it's, you know, they were in on some wide receivers that uh, didn't end up signing, you know, Josh Reynolds, um, guys like that, you know. I don't know if they were ever in an um, kind on of the penny Galladay situation, but Galladay ended up getting, you know, paid more than I thought he was. You know, I think it was like 18 per, which I don't – he was he was one of the last big names of wide receivers to sign too. So I was pretty surprised by that, but he ended up getting paid. Um, but the, the the whole thing with, like, everybody panicking and saying, okay, now, oh, there's no replacements and stuff. Well, I, I think that you – yes. Right now, the best options and free agency have all, all been kind of scooped up. But you don't know if right now Brett Beach is on the phone with whoever the Dallas Cowboys looking to trade Lionel, you know, trade for Lyle Collins or something like that. Like you never know. Like the, the roster that is on on paper right now for the Kansas City Chiefs is not going to be the same roster that is going to be um taking the field in September when they when they first start their games.
1: It's a very fluid situation. I thought that was interesting you brought that up with Lyle Collins because some of those replacement option guys we thought would come in as a tackle, you know, building away wave it's still on the market. It sounds like it's really cold on him right now. Riley Reef went pretty quickly. The Bengals wanted him so bad. They had former Bengals Chad Cinco trying to help recruit him there, which I'm, I think that's a good move on their part because they need to get Joe Burrow as much help up front as he can get. They're in position to take – one of the top two tackles in the draft. So they kind of had to go get him, if that makes sense. And they were probably going to be willing to pay him a lot more than the Chiefs would. But it's interesting you bring up those trade situations because it does look like the Chiefs still have a chunk of cap. Do you think there's something in the works? Some possible things have been floating through my head or some possible options are, you know, you brought up two guys last week um, with uh, YL Collins uh, tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, and no one. It, Cowboys are in really a state of flux. It doesn't look like with these big contracts, they're paying Dak and Zeke. They're really going to want to be taking on too much of his contract. And then uh, the other one was Laramie Tunsil, who He's still he has a pretty decently sized contract. I think he's one of the he's one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the NFL right now. Left tackle for the Texans. They're trying to blow it up. It seems like they're the kind of team that would like to get that off the books. And then something else I was even thinking about is like. I know we were all in on Allen Robinson. This is like a really outside thing, but, you know, it could it be a tag-and-trade-type situation, Bears and Chiefs? Potentially that could be something I think that's a lot less likely than the other two. But, you know, a trade doesn't seem out of the possibility, especially with the Chiefs who do have enough draft picks this year where I think they could be willing to part with a few of them if if the price is right on trying to get a guy into town.
0: 100%. And, like, I think that last week when we had uh, Brandon Kiley on – he said it pretty pretty well when he said that generally speaking if there's a weakness on the Kansas City Chiefs roster that um, Veach likes to almost overcorrect to make sure that it's not a weakness anymore, you know. We talked in pretty in depth about how he flipped that 2018 defensive roster. Well, one of the moves he made was trading for Frank Clark, right? So right now you just come off a Super Bowl where you watched, you know, mostly backups but you have your two older tackles get hurt. Um, you release them, and you think you have a replacement in place and you miss out on him. So then now what? You have the 31st pick. To me, if you could go out and trade for a Lyle Collins or a Larry Mutunzel using that draft capital, it's a no-brainer to me. And like you said, right now the Texans, they I think they've signed maybe a record amount of free agents. They've signed like almost 35, I think, free agents to their roster. So they're completely going to overturn that entire thing. And, and – and and with their situation now with Deshaun Watson having like 22 plus women having allegations against him of sexual assault, who knows what his situation is going to be like. So maybe they're going to be looking, hey, if I can get maybe the 31st pick and then, you know, trade some more pieces and try to get these draft picks, I can draft a quarterback if I have to. I can get younger pieces in there. I can start the rebuild with the new coaching staff that we have in place now. So. I think the trade is 100% on the table, and I think if if nothing else, we've got to realize how aggressive Veach is in trying to make corrections to the rosters when he sees that there's weaknesses.
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, Laramie Tunsil, he is a good tackle. He's a top-10 tackle in the NFL. He's getting paid a lot of money. He got overpaid, in my opinion, at least when he was going to Houston in general. Bill O'Brien, what are you going to do? He needed – That was like one of the first big moves he made to trade him, which that's kind of why they're in a pickle in the draft. They gave all their picks to Miami for him. But, you know, David Coley, their coach, and then uh, Kisiro, their uh, general manager, those guys, they've inherited a terrible situation. It's only gotten worse with Deshaun Watson. Those guys are terrible definitely in win for the future mode i don't see how they could possibly be trying to plan and win for now they're just trying to get a lot of guys in there that are their guys now having a cornerstone left tackle is a big part of any team trying to build and develop itself so i could see them wanting to hang on to him just to you know if they draft a new quarterback to be able to have some protection for him it seems like he could be on his way out though especially if you know in a season from now they're just trying to loosen up cap and be able to go sign guys he's an interesting player He's never really reached the level of expectation I think a lot of people had for him coming out, but he's always been consistently steady. I would compare his play thus far in his career very close to Eric Fisher. He's a solid pass protector. He's not going to do anything great or blow you away, but he's going to be a guy that can go out there and start 16 games a season for you. And you know He's not going to give up too many sacks. He's not going to be a giant liability out there, though. Is the cost going to be worth it? It depends. If they had him, he'd be here for the next three seasons to back it up. It would just be one of those interesting things, and I think that's one of the things people don't realize is things are in such a flux right now in this time because we're past the big free agency frenzy, and now we're into like the pre-draft free agency. So they're just trying to find value, guys, at this time. Not really a ton of options left on the market at the tackle position. You know, we mentioned Villanueva. Are they going to be willing to take him or even like a Russell and? you know, probably have worse performance than Eric Fisher gave you last year, but it'll be cheaper than going after a guy like that and kind of buy them time to be able to get another tackle ready here in a year or so. Those are going to be the interesting things that we look at. I thought it was also interesting, though, that uh, those guys – oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Mike Rimmer's contract came out, and there's been some discussion about that. Because his agent said, I'm here to start. And I think you and I both agree that contract isn't screaming starter money. That contract is screaming, I'm the sixth man who could play guard, tackle, and even center in a bench. I'm here to be a backup. I'm here to compete with Lucas Nyong a little bit in training camp. And that's what I'm here to do. I think they brought him back in the exact same role they did just because they're familiar with him.
0: Yeah, that's, first of all, whatever the agent says as far as the starting roles has zero weight on anything and any decision that's being made. And again, you look at the money that is that is a backup swing tackle money, in my opinion. If they find yes. him to be like a long term like solution, he would have been making way more. Um, now, the other thing that we I want to just kind of talk about here, you, we mentioned Lyle Collins. What I find super interesting is is they also the Dallas Cowboys just went out and signed Tyneski, who is was a free agent tackle. So now they have Terrence Steele, who was a rookie last year that started in place of Collins when he was hurt. Tyron Smith, Neske, Lyle Collins, they have four tackles that can play to me that says, okay, maybe we are going to move one of these guys. And if I'm Veach and seeing this, man, I, I go see what you can get for Collins. I mean, he when he's healthy and he's playing, he is dominant. He's a very good football player. So... I think it's interesting that they just signed another tackle, too, that could potentially be a guy that there's their backup swing guy if you have Tyron uh, Smith and and Terrence Steele starting at the other, you know, the two two uh, bookends.
1: Lyle Collins is a freak. And the reason he didn't go as a first-round pick and the Cowboys kind of got him as a steal is there was like that crazy draft day. You remember what I'm talking about? It was like a crazy draft day. He was connected to a murder of someone. I forget what it was. The relationship was. It was some it was sort so of. Ex- it was some. It was crazy. And people were saying all this. And it all turned out to just be complete nonsense. He wasn't involved in any of it. As a matter of fact, I think I remember listening to the interview. He was tore up about it. Even and he wasn't even. Cons- I mean, he was just upset. That the person he'd known had been killed or whatever. And he was sitting there just like, I don't know why people are connecting me to this. He had nothing to do with it. And, you know, the Cowboys, he, they got a steal at him. There's a clip of him running about 20 yards down the field and just blowing up a couple of defensive backs. That's all you need to know about this guy. He was – his draft class when he came out, he was my favorite offensive lineman in that draft class just because I thought he'd be an immediate stud Egg barter tackle, which he immediately came into Dallas and did. A little bit of injury passed. I don't think it's anything to get concerned about. He'd be a guy that I think would – be one of those guys that if he came to Kansas City, they'd be able to put him in his, like, this be his natural position to win. With as much zone game as the Chiefs run and with as much as the Chiefs like to pass the ball, I think an athletic tackle like him would be right at home in the Chiefs' see- scheme.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um, for sure. And then just as uh, we're talking here and recording, it looks like the Chiefs are going to be finalizing a deal with uh, Nick Kaiser to bring him back at a one-year deal. So that will probably be tight end three um you know which is whatever he is what he is <laughs> he's yeah they bring Blake Bell in which I liked um but let's talk about some of those deals so Blake Bell obviously we they brought him in it came out today that they're going to be looking to do a one-year deal with old dirty Dan Mr Daniel sorensen um you know to me and they also are going to be what, working out Kawan Williams the mm-hmm. corner. And then Melvin Ingram is, was slotted to make a visit to Kansas City, too. So those are two pretty interesting defensive prospects. So to me, I, I'm fine with these recent ones, like well, Dirty Dan getting a one-year deal as to whatever. To me, he's familiar with the scheme. You know what he is. He's not. He's going to have his limitations, but he also can, can do some good things in that defense, I think, still, where if you wanted to bring in a rookie to replace him in the next year, now you have somebody that can learn and play behind them for a year, doesn't have to step into an immediate starting role where you'd have all that pressure on them. Um, you know, you're also getting one Thornhill back who can play the deep safety now a lot more and just keep sorting of, more in the box and underneath. So, cause, cause Thornhill's knee finally looked healthy towards the end of the year there and getting his explosion back. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, and if I would love for them to sign both of these guys, Ingram as a pass rusher and Kwan Williams as a, as a slot guy. Because that way you have you know Snead who can play in the slot, obviously, but then you can bump him out to the outside. And then you would have Snead and, and Ward on the outside, this Williams on the inside with Fenton as a rotational guy. Ingram as a complimentary pass rusher who can rush over the guard and on the outside. We saw that you know as a guy that who's coming over from the Chargers. We saw plenty of Melvin Ingram. Um, we know what kind of uh, talent he is. He's a good football player. And I think he's still got some juice left, especially in a rotational role where he's just trying to rush the passer.
1: Yeah, I like all of these ideas and moves. And, you know, Blake Bell coming back, I think that was pretty indicative of how upset Andy Reid was at the backup tight end position because Blake Bell, not a great catcher of the football, not a great runner of routes, really good at blocking people up, though. And I think that, you know, at that point, the Chiefs are just kind of like, it's whatever. If he can catch a couple of balls a year, he can catch a couple of balls a year. But it, that, that just shows me Andy Reid is so invested in the Chiefs running the solid 12 personnel or solid two tight end sets to be able to kind of run the ball effectively and help loosen things up. That He's willing to just put a guy out there that everyone knows what he's going to come in and do just because he's so effective at it. Nick Kaiser, you know, he's still a prospect. He's still relatively raw. He's still got some talent. He's going to be a bubble guy, in my opinion, as I think he's been the last couple of seasons. This will really be a make it break year for him. Sorensen back, you know, everyone hates him sometimes. Everyone loves him sometimes. He's steady, okay? He's going to come in. He's going to do his job. He's going to be in the right place to make the right play at the right time. He makes timely plays. He's pretty much made his entire career in Kansas City on making timely plays, big-time plays in big games. That's always nice to have. You've got to have a guy like that. I think he is one of the most well-respected chiefs in that entire locker room. He's a leader of the team. He's a guy that Spags wants to be in the secondary with the honey badger calling things out and as far as them uh, looking around at those guys uh williams he could come in and be a slot guy that can play every down for the chiefs i think their end goal is to play sneed at the outside it's something we've talked about a little bit in the past in here, sneed looks dominant in the slot we thought he was there though to just take it because he was good enough to be on the field they had to find some way to get him out there and you know with Breed and Breland and Ward out there they really like those guys they're outside guys his body type his build though he's a taller longer guy he looks like he's going to be a fit to be the outside for the rest of his career and then with Melvin Ingram you know I think that adds another pass rush element for the Chiefs he's still not a schmuck he's had his injury problems they'd have to be able to go in I think they've rotated him and Dana pretty equally to start the season. We'll probably see more Ingram later on, if it can happen. You know, obviously that business is big. I assume he spent his entire career with the Chargers, and they're going to let him go. He's probably not too happy about that. But they're starting to kind of try to get their stuff turned around. He's not going to be a part of it. Well, come on over to your rival, you know. Come play against the Chargers two times a year. Go terrorize Herbert a little bit. He's not like a long... He's not like a long, athletic pass rusher. Kind of funny. He doesn't really fit Spag's mold for a guy. He's a straight power rusher. I mean, when he gets under your pads and gets your leverage, you're going to go backwards. We know what kind of guy he is. He's going to just battle you. He's really a pretty solid run defender also. He's got the size to play a defensive end with his hand in the dirt. I think it would be a great pickup if they were able to get him or Williams.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I like the idea of, you know, if Ingram just being a pass rushing specialist come in, Play 30, 35 snaps game, and your job's to rush the passer. Like you said, they got Mike Dana who can play first and second down. Like he did that well as a rookie. Like he showed that he was able to step in and play as a rookie um, on those situations. And then, you know, you think about if you want to do some sort of pass rushing package where you have Frank Clark on an edge, you can put Ingram over a guard, you put Chris Jones over a guard, you can put Taco Charlton on the edge, or you can have Turk Wharton on the inside with Melvin Gordon on the edge. Like now, you're getting into some situations where you can play some games with people, right? You can do some stunts and twists, and you got some four or five athletic guys that can get after the rusher, which is huge, right? We saw what what getting after the quarterback does to Kansas. You know what it did to Kansas City in the Super Bowl when you can only when you only have to rush four or five guys, you can play coverage and and you can force you know force the offensive's hand a lot of the time. So yeah, I'm about it. I like I that. like
1: it. I like it a lot, and then you still have room to even draft a young pass rusher, maybe like uh, Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh, let him chill out for a little bit, let him learn behind uh, Frank Clark and Ingram, let him kind of, you know, and then we got Taco Charlie. Defensive line's going to be a strong suit for the Chiefs. It's, I think it's a moniker of Brett Veach. He wants to have bigger defensive linemen who can do a lot of things and cause a lot of havoc. It's something Spaggs has been notorious for since he's been a DG or a DC in the NFL is he wants to have guys that can rush the passer. He wants to have bodies in there that can play the run. And you know, if you look at the Chiefs, their defense is pretty much hedged between the secondary and the defensive line, because those are the two most valuable positions on defense is that like edge rusher and secondary play. Those moves are going to be interesting, but everyone just keeps freaking out about all this. I'm like, we just got to give it a little bit of time here. I'm like. Twenty eighteen, Veach came in and it was pretty obvious what he had to do, you know. He get a lot he gets a lot of guff for the Breland speaks pick. That whole first draft he had, very average. There's a lot of teams that draft like that every season. You know, there's a reason the average NFL career lifespan is only like a couple of seasons. There's a reason why most of the guys that get drafted are barely even end up playing in the NFL. It's because it is so hard. When we look at the positions that Brett Veach has had to draft, guys that have had to come in and be starters day one and this year, that would probably be an offensive tackle or maybe even another cornerback. You look at guys like that. Derek Naughty came in, in in the third round pick that he had to play day one. The Chiefs had a... Bad need for that nose tackle that can plug the run playing and just because they were so horrible at playing the run from 2016 to 2018. He came in. He's been one of the best two-down run stuffers in the NFL in his time. You go and you look at uh, Juan Thornhill. He came in and set the league on fire. He finally started to get his legs back under him last year. He looks like a home run of a pick. And then you look at this past season, you know, Clyde had to come in and beat, they knew he was going to be the guy right away and Snead comes in and he just – he everyone's expectations of him exceeded and in some, and the Chiefs knew they were going to have to play him. You remember before the season, we were like, we're about to have a rookie out here at secondary. I'm like, this is a little nerve wracking. We're about to have a rookie corner out here. And they just – they trusted it. They were confident in it, and he was become an excellent player. Do you think that Veach, those guys that he knows he's going to have to play or have – they're going to have to have in the game early – do you think those guys he probably they probably invest more time into scouting than you know maybe a guy like Willie Gay who they know they can sit for a season and let him learn a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that would make a little bit of sense. and I think that Beach in general is just a guy that he, he just he does his homework and the, the scouting department and you see and I think that it is a testament to how good the front office is when you see how good they are at signing like undrafted free agents and how many of those guys can make their roster, and they're constantly good at that. So to me, that means these guys are just tirelessly working to try to find the ways to build the best roster they can. Um, it, it, and I think there's no question in my mind that that's what they're going to do. Like I, I don't think that the team that they have right now on the offensive line is, is going to be what we see coming – out for the first game. It's just not even into training camp. I think they're going to bring people in. And the other thing you got to remember is there's still going to be teams that are going to be releasing people, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be there's going to be cuts. There's going to be all this stuff that's going on. Excuse Bless man. you. <laughs> um so I it, like we signed uh Kalechi Assembly last year on July 25th. Like I saw that tweet today. We signed him on July 25th. Which to me, that's OK. He came in, was playing outstanding in the first three games before he got hurt. Like they're good. They, there's no there's nothing saying that they can't find guys later. I'm Now, do you want to bank on that? No, not absolutely. Absolutely not. Like I, I still think that even if they come and trade or sign for somebody, they're going to probably still invest some draft into it. They, they need to develop some of this younger offensive linemen to keep guys around. Right. But to me, if you go out and you you trade for a left tackle, say it is a Tunzel or a Lyle Collins, then maybe you do bring Austin Ryder back. And if you have, like, Collins, Tooney, Austin Ryder, LDT or Kyle Long, and then Lucas Nying, I think people would feel okay with that across the front because I think mm-hmm. Tooney is the reason that – uh, is it Mark or Dan Anders? I can't think of the first name right now, the Patriots center. Oh, Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark Andrews. I think he, Mark. The reason Mark everybody likes Mark Andrews so much is because he had so much help next to him with Tooney when he played. Right? There's, he really, yeah. He really helped him like be like a, a good center, a solid center, right? So and that to rookie, me, like,
1: yeah, that rookie the Patriots drafted. That kid's a stud. That left that a right guard they had. The big kid. I didn't have such a high draft grade on because I thought he's kind of stubby, but. Everything they do in New England with Cam, that kid was a stud this past season. And they, they, him and Tooney, they both helped out Andrews a ton.
0: Yeah, and everybody, all the reports are coming out that Tooney might be the smartest dude in the NFL that nobody knows about, apparently. Do you see that story that came out? No. About dude, so apparently when he was coming out of college, college they have to do like the wonderlick tests and stuff. So they, uh, he was advised not to answer every question because – teams might be afraid of how smart he is because of his intellect. So he didn't. He only answered 39 of the 50 questions, and he answered every single one of them right.
1: Oh, man. I'm sure <laughs> Bill...
0: Apparently the dude's like,
1: brilliant. That's some That's some Bill... But that's what Bill Belichick likes. He probably said, oh, this guy's a braid sir I bet he probably had a similar wow. wonderlick to Tom Brady or whatever. Those guys probably were up there. That's such a Bill Belichick thing to draft, though, based on the wonderlick test. The, hilarious right? like and but that's
0: not like to me like you get a guy like that that that's smart and that with that physical talent he could help an austral rider right we always, we always talk about how the hardest positions to play in the kansas City Chiefs offensive line are the tackles because they get no help right they're the ones that usually are put on islands and hey you gotta you gotta win your one-on-ones but center guards tackles you guys for centers and guards you guys gotta you know you guys can get help along the interior so yeah there's there's moves coming um Receiver-wise, there, I was, was just like, going to
1: say real quick about center. Right. There's nothing that Mark Andrews could do better that Austin Ryder couldn't also do. I, in my opinion, from what I've seen on the film, I think they're the same player. They're the, almost the exact same body type-wise, and I think they benefit from you know good players around them at times. I don't think I... And the Patriots wanted Tooney back, it sounds like. They just weren't willing to go as high as the Chiefs were to get him. And then they bring back Andrews after the fact. That's pretty telling to me at this point, especially because the Patriots had money to spend. We'll see. Um, I also think an outside person to play center, this is just something I theorize on, could LDT possibly snap the ball? That would be something we might want to keep an eye on because – You want to talk about being a smart guy. He's a doctor. He's smart enough to maybe figure it out if he needs to. We'll see. I I don't think that's going to happen. I'd say he'd be a, a guy to keep an eye on out there. But what were you about to say about the secondary? Because that's kind of another interesting point with all this we're getting into.
0: Yeah, just secondary and wide receiver seem to be the other two positions that they're really been targeting in the free agency and stuff. Um, sounded like they they were trying to get in a little bit on Kenny Galladay. Sounded like that they were in trying to get it on Curtis Samuel. Sounded like they were trying to get in on Josh Reynolds. Um, do you think that they take a look maybe like T.Y. Hilton, somebody like that, a veteran guy that might be able to have a little bit of juice to rotate with a McCole Hardman, a Byron Pringle type? You know, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think he'd be
1: another guy that can come in catch passes. You know, he's obviously been around the block a few times. The stuff with the wide receiver is interesting, though, because you know I think we thought these guys would want to come in and take a cheap one-year prove-it deal. Not so much the case, and I think it all goes back to the thing we are talking about. When we're trying to look for that third receiver, we don't want to go out for a guy that's going to cost too much money because he's still only going to have – you know, less than half of the total offensive production. He's going to have less targets than Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. He might even have less touches or looks to than Nicole Hardman in the season coming up, just based on how the Chiefs like to use him. So it's interesting to me that these guys, I think the NFL is kind of catching on to that because, I mean, it's very rare you see two guys in an offense do what Hill and Kelsey did. And Everyone that watches the Chiefs, it's no secret. Those, these are the guys Mahomes wants to throw to. And, you know, people say, well, they, he might he might go to them too much. Does he go to them too much or are they open so often he'd be stupid not to? That's kind of what I think you're thinking that here. And, you know, everyone wants it to be the Sammy Watkins situation. Everyone wants it to be that easy. It's not that easy. At that point in Sammy Watkins, when he came to Kansas City, his career was up in the air. He was so hurt so often the chiefs needed him and he really needed the chiefs to help his career and prolong what he was doing we saw glimpses of it in 2020 he was hurt last season we saw him play about as good as he will ever play on the super bowl run when he really did step up and be that third option you know he had kind of a quiet off season out regular season outside of that big game early versus jacksonville and then he tears it up against the 49ers and the titans In the Super Bowl. And then this year, you know, the injuries, they caught up to him again. And he just he couldn't get right to play. He wasn't right the whole season. And he's visiting with the Ravens now. Not every situation is that, you know, Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel. Those guys are healthy now. Those guys can play a ton of snaps now, you know. And I think in those guys eyes, they're probably like, because you know, Kenny Galladay can go to the Giants. He could be his number one guy for Daniel Danny Dunn. Curtis Samuel is going to go and be the number two, if not the number one option for the Washington football team who might be looking to add a young quarterback, to have a reliable guy in Fitzpatrick there. Now, he's going, to, but he's going to have more targets than he would in Kansas City. Now, they might not win as much, but it's that point in the season where those guys are probably trying to convince themselves. They're like, no, what we can do, we, we, we're going to build ourselves into a contender, even though it seems the clear-cut way for those guys to try to get a ring, would be to go to kansas city i think those guys are just worried the production is not going to be there
0: yeah and these guys these are guys that their their contracts were not like huge right and even like juju smith schuster who signed back with pittsburgh who reportedly kansas city was looking to go after too. he took you know a huge pay cut to to go back and be with pittsburgh but i think a lot of it is again like they don't want to be that number three guy where they're not going to get all these touches where they're probably going to get 50 or 60 catches for, you know, 500, 600 yards. And that's it. And, you know, that's kind of the argument I've always made with people that, um, and we've talked about this at length with the CEH thing and the McColl Hardman thing was like, Oh, they got to have better production. They got to do this. They got to do that. It's like, well, you got to understand how they fit in the offense. Like what is their role in the offense? The role isn't to be, you know, an 80, 90 catch, you know, wide receiver or a, you know, twenty-five to thirty carry game guy has run it. like these guys are in there to be ancillary pieces to the Mahomes to Kelsey, Mahomes to Hill. There's a reason that Kelsey and Hill are the guys that have gotten um the long contracts and the big money. Like these are the studs. These are guys that have been as productive as we've ever seen in NFL history. Like to me, you you you've got to understand a little bit how this offense goes, like, oh McCole Hardman needs to be more of an X. It's like no, McCall Hardman be what he is in this offense, where he fits in this offense right now. Like, okay, maybe next year, this coming year, he takes the next step, but he's never really even been asked to do that, right? He's never been uh, half the time they're lining Kelsey up as the X as the solo receiver on the on the backside of trips. Like he's, you know, that's just how they rub their offense because Kelsey is an elite talent. He's a Hall of Fame player. Like they're getting the the football to their Hall of Fame Hall of Fame players. That's how that's how it's working. Yeah, so, and you
1: know you know what's funny? I that that dummy Dove Kleeman tweeted something. He's like, maybe the Chiefs have lost their luster. And I'm like, Joe Tooney's won two Super Bowls with New England. He reportedly turned down less. Um, he took less money. It was just crazy for an eighty million dollar contract. He took less money to come play for a team that's still trying to compete for Super Bowls, and he could retire today, and he'd still have a better career than 99% of guys who ever <laughs> strapped it up. I'm like, this team hasn't lost its luster. I'm like, this team just has a particular way of doing things. And I thought this maybe from the jump. I know I really wanted them to go after guys like Curtis Samuel and Galladay. Obviously, it wasn't in the cards, but it just seems like that third receiver position is going to be a guy that they drafted, and that's, my position, you know, if they're looking for that traditional X, there's a lot of them in the draft this year. You know, these guys aren't, you know, like, these guys aren't dumb. They know what they have. I mean, what is this draft class, three positions this draft class is loaded with? Quarterbacks, tackles, and wide receivers loaded across the board. You know, I saw something the other day. It said, "Uh, was talking about Isaiah Wilson, that moron, already got cut from the Dolphins. What a mess that is. Oh, my God. It, he's throwing his career away, which is funny. The only team I think could save him right now would be the Chiefs, and I doubt they even have much interest in him at this point in his career. Right. And then it was uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, and he had a very average season for a rookie. And they said those guys wouldn't even be fifth-rounders, might not even be fifth-rounders in the draft this year. That should tell us a little bit. So, you know, Veach and Reed aren't stupid. They didn't have an overspent on anyone this off season. I don't think. Nope. And they're still playing games and there's still time to spare.
0: And that's the other thing people gotta remember, you don't build championship rosters through the through free agency. Yes, do you sometimes need to sign guys a free agency to fill holes? Yes, but you still build your roster through the through the draft. You know, and you think about last year's draft, that seems to be a home run as of right now. Like, um, you
1: know, and it could get even better.
0: Right, and regardless of what you think of, you know, the running back situation, and drafting a running back in the first, like that, Clyde edwards alaire is a damn good football player right now. So we'll see. And I think there's still so much time. I think that the the panic button needs to to take a break right now. In Chiefs Kingdom, just everybody take a breath, relax. We're not even to. <sighs> we're not even. To, we're not even to April yet. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of time, and the Chiefs are going to be just fine. Um. The, the roster's not set. There's times to make moves and do, do do all sorts of stuff.
1: Something else with the Clyde situation. I know people were talking about uh the running back Jacksonville had, that rookie. Uh, uh, what's his name again? Was it James, James? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. I like him a lot. Was Jacksonville particularly good at anything outside of handing him the football last year, though?
0: No.
1: No. Okay, you got Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. Can he come in and touch the ball? 12 times a game and have as much production as Clyde over to a can. No. Why can't he do that? Because he's going to rely. He's a a 30-touch-a-guy kind of game. He's got to have 30 touches. Then you have J.K. Dobbins. He was like the third running option in Baltimore this past season, and they still didn't even utilize him. So I'd still say Clyde is doing a pretty damn good job for the situation they put him in. And I don't think a lot of those other guys could come in and do what he did based on their individual skill set in the Chiefs' offense.
0: I'm right there with you, buddy. I'm right there with you, but we'll keep fighting the good fight for CH. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? I like, that was that was a good one. I think that my biggest message uh, from this show is just take a breath. Like everybody's on Twitter selling this, selling this panic, and selling this all this craziness like yes do the Chiefs have things that they need to address yes of course they do we taught we've talked at length about some of the issues and some of the things that they need to address can they still do that yeah it's March 22nd they have a they have time they can trade they can draft they can do uh, sign some veteran free agents who maybe not will be great but they can sign somebody until to hold a place for somebody else at the you know there's so much time it just don't panic right now. Let's see yeah. how things play out. Let's see what happens. And I got something else to say.
1: Uh, how much improvement through free agency have the other teams in the AFC made? Are we really terrified of any moves Buffalo's made? No. Are we terrified of anything the Browns have done? No. The Ravens have been fairly silent. The Titans, they might have just overspent a little bit on a couple of guys that they might be needing because they let you know they let Corey Davis go. There isn't a team in the AFC that's made a big enough move to move the radar to beat the Chiefs based off of this free agency. Teams that have been spending money in the AFC are a team like the Patriots, and there are still a ton of question marks about how their offense is going to perform, and they had a ton of cap space. The Bills, you know, they're the second-in line. What was their, what's their big move been? They went out and re-signed Matt Milano, who's an average they linebacker. They went out, out and the third-highest-paid outside linebacker in the NFL. They, right. And they went out and they brought back more of their offensive linemen, who are honestly very average players all across the board for them. You know, those guys, they didn't get any better this offseason. They just, you know, they brought back the same talent. The Chiefs uh, the Chiefs legitimately are one of the only teams I can say. They were competitive last year, as competitive as you can be without winning the whole thing, and they still found a way to improve at least one position in free agency. Find another team that you can say that about.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. They definitely did. Tooney, he's he's legit, man. He's gonna be a great player for us, so excited about that. But as am I. All right, man. Let's uh let's get out of here. Why don't you tell everybody what you're working on, where they can find you. All right, guys, you can find me on
1: Twitter, as always, at CJ Scoobs. Wrote some articles last week just kind of addressing some of the uh, free agent moves the Chiefs made. I wrote a little film review on Joe Tooney, did some voiceovers for him and Kyle Long. Didn't even really talk about Kyle Long. He could be a home run pick for his sheep are about to have him on this season. So, yeah, go check it out. You know, draft season's here. we got a big draft project we're all working on. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially here in the coming weeks of the draft. I think we've got a lot of guys who've been working really hard on this. I'm certainly excited for it. Um, for a guy like me, seeing this loaded offensive line class makes me happy because it makes every evaluation more fun trying to figure out who fits where and what guys are at the top of their class. The Chiefs are going to take a couple of offensive linemen in the draft this year. I would be shocked if they didn't. But, Justin, go ahead and close the show out, man. Tell us all the good word.
0: Yeah, dude, you can find me on Twitter as always, jdiz1617. Um, I, I'm crazy right now. I'm, with, I'm coaching. We actually have – High school football going on right now in New York. So I'm coaching that and doing all this. So my writing's not happening as much, but I have this podcast. I tweet something out every once in a while. I put a nice little clip for all the McColl Hardman haters running a uh, little out route in the Super Bowl and just cooking this dude. So um, little tidbits are here and there coming out on Twitter. So make sure you're, you're finding that. But we appreciate everybody being here. Make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live, guys. The store is there. Tons of podcasts, tons of articles like Caleb's and everybody else's. Um, we appreciate everybody. Like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, guys. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you talk to you next time. Take a deep breath. Next time we talk, I bet you a big move will be made by Kansas City. You wait, and everybody's gonna be feeling much better. Talk to you next time.